1230, we'd invite you to stop by and say thank you to Senator Rose and Representative Mitchell for their great work on the Exelon legislation that passed. They'll be here and would love to see a huge crowd come out and say thank you. This Tuesday, January 10, is the Area Men's Fellowship, and this month we're meeting here at Clinton. Um, Area Men's ha has kind of been struggling with attendance the last couple months. They've been in the low 60s, and that's not good. I would love to blow past that 100 mark, and that means that some of the men that are here this morning, you're going to need to come to Area Men's for the very first time. Um, I'm promising 90 minutes. We're going to gather at 7. I will have you on your way by 8.30. You're going to have a fantastic meal. It's being cooked by Kathy Wickenhauser and crew. Adam is going to be sharing with us. It's going to be a time of worship. So come on out this Tuesday night, 7 p.m. We do take up an offering, and every penny goes to one of our monthly mission partners, Little Galilee. And this is an organization that's raised thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for Little Galilee. Really makes a difference. Tim Winthy, are you still president? They won't let you quit. Well, he's still president of Area Men's, and it's a, just a great um, gathering once a month. So, men, come on out this Tuesday, 7 p.m. Next Sunday, during the Bible School Hour, there will be a reception in the Family Life Center to honor Karen Rice and her retirement and Adam Brucker on his last Sunday as a member of our ministry staff. Adam will be preaching that morning, and I hope that you'll come out and say thank you to Adam and to Karen for their years and years of service to our church. Uh, I would also let you know there will be a basket. If you want to leave a card and or a gift, there's a basket where you'll be able to do that. And final announcement, three weeks from tonight, January 29, Fan the Flame returns to FCC, 5 p.m., Carrollton, they, they were here a year ago, wonderful worship band, and then also the Prodigal Worship Band, Samuel's uh, group of friends from college that do an incredible job, they'll be sharing as well, so come on out, you can get tickets in the church office, or you can get tickets on iTunes. Well, we wanted to, uh, as a staff and as a leadership, spend the first couple months of 2017 talking about us, talking about the church talking about um, what defines us, talking about what is important to us. And so through the month of March, you're going to hear a term, core values, rising to the surface. What, what values do we have as a, as a body of believers? What, what values drive us? And we'll actually start preaching through those core values two weeks from today, January 22nd. But to really set the stage, um, I wanted to share with you what I'm calling Mission Sunday. What, what is the mission of First Christian Church of Clinton? Why, why do we exist? And my guess is if I asked you to try to define what is the mission of the church, we might have 10 different answers sprinkled throughout the sanctuary this morning, maybe more than that. And so I want to drive home for you what has been the mission of this church for decades it has been updated with new verbiage, um, but it is still the mission of our church. Quite frankly, it should be the mission of every church. And as we do that, I want us to, to better understand what's it mean to be a, a purpose-driven church? What's it mean to be a focused church? What's it mean to be a church driven by their mission? And so before I do that, just some 
basic understanding of what is a mission statement, and you can find this on the, on the web, you can find this in, in dictionaries, but a, a mission statement is an official document that sets out the goals and the purpose and the work of an organization. My guess is many of you worked, work or did work at one time for an organization that has a mission statement. My guess is State Farm has a mission statement. Caterpillar has a mission statement. ADM has a mission statement. And it drives who they are. It drives how money is dispersed. A mission statement is a simple sentence that clearly and succinctly describes what the organization exists to do using verbs. So what does an organization want to do? So without looking right now, I want you to write down or in your mind, you can play it out in your mind. What do you think Clinton FCC's mission statement is? Think about that for just a moment. What is Clinton FCC's mission statement? I started in ministry in here at FCC in October of 2006. And shortly after that time, we updated the mission statement to say that Clinton FCC exists to glorify God and to win the lost and to teach the saved. And, and kind of three umbrellas, shall we say. The idea of worship, the idea of evangelism, and the idea of edification or nurture, disciples. There's a lot of words you could throw into that mix. This last year, the leadership led specifically by a small team of Ken Klein and Adam Brucker and Samuel Green, refined the verbiage, refined the statement. And so this morning we're throwing out for you that Clinton FCC exists to love God and to build the church and to reach the world. We exist to love God and to build the church and to reach the world. This is going to seem kind of fifth and sixth grade-ish for some of you, but that's okay. I want you to share that with me. I want to all do it together. Clinton FCC exists. Here's your part to love God, build the church, reach the world. One more time. We exist to love God, build the church, reach the world. My hope would be that you would commit this to memory. And so when you're grabbing coffee at Hardee's or when you're on a hunting trip with friends or on vacation with, with family, and someone says, why are you a part of the church at 100 North Jackson? Or what's the church in Clinton all about? You could say, well, FCC exists to love God and to build the church and to reach the world. Everything we do, every dollar that we spend, every focus that we have, you should be able to find in loving God and building the church and reaching the world. And so this morning, real basic kind of outline, real basic kind of structure. I want to look at each of these. I want to give you some scripture to kind of cook on related to this. Love God, build the church reach the world. Love God. Why is that number one? Where, do, where does that come from? Well, in Mark chapter 12, and I'm going to invite you to turn with me if you'd like to. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, take that pew Bible, write your name in it, cross out the, the first Christian church and write your name in it. The only thing I ask is that you read it. 
that you spend time in the word. But in Mark chapter 12, we see an interesting encounter. In verse 28, it says that one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Jesus and the disciples and others were debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is most important? Now, he was expecting that Jesus was going to go to Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5. He was thinking one of the, the Ten Commandments. Here's what Jesus had to say, verse 29. The most important one is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so the most important thing, according to Jesus, isn't playing church. It's not serving at church. It's not doing. It's not tithing. It's not any outward act. It's that un conditional, passionate love for the Lord your God. I wrestle as a 47-year-old who's a father and a husband and a son and a friend with this idea that the most important relationship in my life has to be my relationship with the Lord. I'm being transparent. That's hard. I, I look at my children and it's hard for me to say, I have to love God more. I look at my wife, and it's hard for me to say, I have to love God more. Jesus said, that's most important. The most important relationship in your world is the relationship of loving God with all that you have. And so as we start this new year in 2017, it might be a challenge for you. That might be a daily focus that you need to bring to your role. God, how can I solidify the number one relationship in my life is you? More than anything else, more than anyone else, I want to grow in incredible, passionate love with you. The greatest commandment is to love God with all. All you have, heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a second scripture in this arena that I want to throw out, and it's Romans chapter 12. So grab your, your Bible and flip over to Romans chapter 12. And if you have done, like many have, you've memorized the Roman road, you, you've committed it to memory, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 5, 8, that talks about God's unconditional love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then you go to Romans 10, and it talks about the power of belief 
and the power of confession. And then we jump down to, to Romans chapter 6, a scripture we'll be reading second service as we get ready for a baptism today. And it talks about how baptism brings about new life. But we end Rome, the Roman road with Romans chapter 12 with this verse that reminds us that coming into Christ, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, is not an end, but instead it's a beginning. It's the beginning of this new relationship. And here's what the Apostle Paul, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That means wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you text, Whatever you Snapchat or Instagram, whatever you write, whatever you say, is an act of worship. Your life is an act of worship. And I just throw this in, many of you know this. It's a lot easier to offer that act of worship, to, to offer that living sacrifice at 8.15 on Sunday morning than 8.15 on Monday morning or 8.15 p.m. on Friday evening. Your life is an act of worship. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Clinton FCC exists to love God. Secondly, Clinton FCC exists to build the church. We exist to build the church. And where's this idea of building the church come from? In Matthew chapter 16, there is a very misunderstood passage of scripture. And... Um, I would just throw this in there. Our, our Catholic brothers and sisters would have a different interpretation of this passage of Scripture than I would or the leadership of our church would. I was at a um, welcome supper last night at a Catholic church in, in, in Mount Pulaski, and they have a chart of every pope that's ever served their church, except it's not updated. It ended with John Paul II, but, you know, whatever. But the very first pope is who? You know who it is? It's Peter. And, and, and this passage of scripture that I'm about to read is kind of the foundation for that interpretation. I, I don't believe that interpretation, quite frankly. But this is a passage of scripture that we need to land on with I, this idea of building the church. In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 16, it says, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's talking about himself. Who are the crowds saying that I am? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And it's not in the text, but I can imagine after asking that question, there was crickets, if you know what I'm saying, silence. No one's saying a word. I can answer what everyone else is saying. But when the rabbi, when the teacher, when the master asks me, who do I think that you are? There's a lot of silence. But Peter breaks that silence. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's saying, you're the one. You're the savior. You're the Messiah. 
You're the answer to centuries of prayers that have been prayed for hope. You're the one. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my, my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And so some are saying that Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm building my church on you. You are the rock. I, I don't accept that interpretation. I think he's saying I'm building my church on the confession that Peter made, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. But do you see it? You're going to build my church. We're building my church on this foundation. Do you realize, and I want you to think about this for just a minute, you could be a successful church, successful by the world's standards, and never preach Jesus? Just kind of filter Jesus out? Still get together and just sing some general songs of praise to the Lord? You could focus on really important social issues. I mean, think about some of the issues facing our community that we could just say, we're tackling heroin this year. We're tackling poverty this year. We're, we're going to tackle bullying this year. I could come up with 52 sermons of issues that need to be dealt with in 61727 and never get to Jesus and never preach Jesus. But that's not what the church is all about. We're here to build the church, the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so I want to read some scripture, a couple different scriptures, and try to flush that out for you today. Um, and I'll be honest, I struggled this week really nailing down the scriptures that I wanted to land on. I'm, I'm still not sure that th this is where I want to be. I, I'm not sure that this is a perfect scripture to drive home this point. But Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the body of Christ. It talks about us, talks about you and me. And here, here's what the apostle Paul says. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each other, to, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does it mean he ascended? Mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In verses four through six, go back one slide, please. You see this, this, um, this one picture. We're called to be one. 
And part of building up the church is setting aside personal preferences for the betterment of the church. Nothing harms the cause of Christ more in 2017 or 1917 or 117 AD when Christians can't get along with one another. When there's inward bickering and there's personal agendas, nothing harms the cause of Christ more. My prayer for 2017 is a, is a simple focus in this arena that we would continue to be a church that comes together. We would continue to be a church that focuses on a, a common purpose, a common focus, a common mission. Making a difference for Jesus Christ in our world today. Verses 11 and 12 talk about how everyone plays a part. Think of all the different ministries at Clinton FCC, the ministries that impact. I think about a ministry that's going to make a difference tomorrow about noon, and that's our funeral dinner ministry. I think about a ministry that, that made a difference this morning for many of you, and it's probably not even an official ministry, but you were greeted at the door by guys like Danny Bundy and Alan Bell. Sometimes your car is parked for you. I think about the ministry that took place on Friday morning where moms and their little ones gathered together in a warm building trying to introduce people outside the church, some who may even be outside the faith. What being a follower is all about. Everyone plays a part, building up the body of Christ. I want to say something that um, I don't want anyone to misinterpret, but I don't want to not say it. If all you're doing is coming to church from 8.15 to 9.15 and enjoying worship and the choir and the communion and the sermon, and you're getting nothing else throughout the week, you're cheating yourself, number one, and you have something to give, number two. I offer a personal invitation to you to help you get more plugged in. There's a lot of words that we could use. We could use the word assimilation. That's a big fancy word. Getting more connected at Clinton FCC. Finding a place where you can grow. Finding a place where you can serve. Finding a place where you can contribute to the unity of the church. Now there's one more scripture. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Um, the Apostle Paul, and I'm not going to read context for time's sake. You probably should later. But he talks about how we're demolishing strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so last week on our Vision Sunday, and, and I know some of us missed last week because of the holiday, I threw out five challenges for our church in 2017. And the number one challenge involved God's Word. It involved being more locked into God's Word. Some of us read our Bible every day. So, some of us do not. Some of us have committed to memory dozens, maybe even hundreds of passages of Scripture. Some of us have not. 
And so as a church in 2017, I want us to seize on this idea of taking every thought captive and allowing God's word to radiate in our hearts and our minds on a daily basis. If you grabbed a bulletin, you have an, an outline in your bulletin of, of a Bible reading plan. I want you to take it out right now. I think, it, is it on green paper, I think, maybe? Is that right? Yeah, it's on green paper. I want you to take it out. This is a church-wide challenge. If you are 77 or you are 17, I, I'm passionately urging you to consider taking this challenge. And here's the challenge. One chapter of the Bible every day with three areas of consideration. A key verse maybe to meditate on, a key question that you could ponder and think through, and then an action step that I'm going to encourage you to pursue. You're, you're going to get this every week in 2017. This is going to be available on our website. It's going to be available at my blog. It's going to be available on Facebook. It's going to be available at the Welcome Center and the church office. Everyone in the church, one chapter a day. What's today? Today is Luke chapter 1. We're going back to Christmas. The key verse is verse 37. Nothing is impossible with God. The question to ponder, if you couldn't talk like Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, couldn't talk, how would this impact your spiritual life? Would it impact it positively? Would it impact it negatively? And then one action step to pursue, take time today to practice silence and solitude, considering God's will for your life in 2017. Romans 12, scripture we read previously, talks about God's will, God's pleasing and perfect will. I would love to hear testimonies at this time next year that go along these lines. Pastor, I have never been in the Word of God consistently before. And one chapter a day changed my spiritual life. I'd love to hear testimonies like that. Together as the body, taking captive every thought. FCC exists to, to build the church. And the key word there would be that word nurture, equip, discipleship. There's a lot of words that, that, that can be thrown out there. The idea is building up the church. Well, FCC exists to love God. FCC exists to build the church. And finally, FCC exists to reach the world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, <coughs> excuse me, Matthew chapter 28, his final words for his disciples, he shared the Great Commission. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so the point is to go into all the world and not make pew sitters, not make club members, but to make disciples. What's a disciple? Someone that loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Someone who every day wakes up and says, how can my life today be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? And so for some, that means going into all of the world. And for some, that means going across the street. Or being more strategic during break time at work. Or having more of an invitation heart when it comes to people in your world that you know need the hope of Jesus Christ. I want to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Jesus says in verse 17, a scripture that we looked at last week, that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But then in verses 18 and 20, he throws out two words that I want to leave us with today. Here's what he says. He says, all of this is from God. This new creation is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And so as a church, as we strive to reach the world, there's two concepts we have to grab a hold of. What's it mean to be an ambassador? And will we commit to the ministry of reconciliation? Here's the good news when it comes to an ambassador. An ambassador is not someone that creates truth or creates law. An ambassador is merely a messenger. An ambassador is merely a mouthpiece. So I want you to think this morning, how can you be Christ's ambassador in your world, in your context in 2017? What's that look like? That's key term number one. Second key term is this idea of reconciliation. And you know, there's a lot of talk about reconciliation in our world today. When politicians can't get together, well, we need to bring about reconciliation. Or when races can't get together, we need to bring about racial reconciliation, which we do, by the way. It's a huge issue. But the reconciliation that's being talked about here is reconciling someone who doesn't know Jesus, they don't know hope, reconciling them to faith in Jesus Christ, helping them become that new creation getting rid of the old and embracing the new. The key word, it's evangelism. The key word is evangelism. And so I know some of you, you've been planting seeds. You've done the, the Apostle Paul thing. You've done the Apollos thing. What's that mean? 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says that, that he planted seeds and Apollos watered the seeds, but it was God that made them grow. And so for some of you, what you're probably being called to do, I can't say for sure, but what you're probably being called to do is to plant seeds or to water seeds, to be an encourager, to, to wait for God to grow. For some of us, it's time to kick it into high gear. For some of us, it's time to have some more intense conversations. It's time to, to really drive home. I'm worried about you spouse i'm worried about you child i'm worried about you parent i'm worried about you neighbor i have the hope of jesus i want you to know that hope as well key word is evangelism i don't have a bottom line for you today i know that some of you are going to be stunned wondering if the sermon outline was cut off here's the bottom line clinton fcc exists to love god and to build the church and to reach the world Let's do it together. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And I thank you for our church. I love our church. God, we are far from a perfect church, but I'm so thankful for our church. And I pray that 2017 will go down as a year that, that we grew by leaps and bounds spiritually. It's my prayer that more and more we will better understand how to love you individually and love you corporately as a church in all that we do. God, it's my prayer that that word unity 
will really truly begin to define us. And as we try to grow in the faith, as we read the Bible together this year, as we memorize the Bible together this year, that there will be just an obvious awareness that we have a common focus and we have a common purpose. And that's to build up your church. And God, help us to never apologize, to never grow weary of attempting to reach the world, to reach the world right here in central Illinois, and to reach the world literally all over the world through our monthly mission partners. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.